You're about to listen to the Healthy Church Growth Show with me, Madge Abasaki, minister, author, and visionary of growthechurchnow.com. I'm also known as the Healthy Church Growth Advocate. My guests on this show are fellow ministers, church leaders, and experts in their field. We'll share practical tips to address challenges and provide solutions for the church at large every Monday. Enjoy the show and let me know what you think. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Healthy Church Growth Show podcast with me, Madja Basaki. And today I know that you're going to be engaged with the conversation I had with Erin Lashley from Millennials in Ministry. Because she is a millennial, her focus is all about what that generation is going through. And she actually has her own podcast on those themes. Now, today we're going to be talking about the struggles of that generation and why people are questioning their commitment to the church at this present moment. We're also going to be discussing what we feel discipleship should really look like. It's an interesting conversation. I know that you're going to learn loads and take it back to your churches for the good of the body. So enjoy my conversation with Erin Lashley. Erin Lashley in Phoenix, Arizona. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you today? I'm really well, really well, considering the times we're in. And yeah, yeah, I mean, let me date stamp this. Uh, We're on the 1st of May today. And um, as it stands, I'm in the UK because you can hear from my accent. We have been in lockdown. This is week seven for us now. But um, what's going on in the States over there at the moment? Yeah, for us, um, depending on what state you're in determines, depends on how long you've been on lockdown. So um, areas where COVID-19 has been affected the most, those areas have been in lockdown longer. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. So our, our state has officially been on lockdown for 31 days today. And other states, it's been, this is, they're going into their second month or their third month, you know. So mm. um, it, it's, it's a lot of different things, you know, like the states are kind of acting, they kind of act as their own countries. So mm. they have their own rules and the own, their own things that they will, um, you know, fight for when it comes mm. to the federal government. So mm. um, it just depends on how the governor is running that state. So our governor right now has extended quarantine um, up until May 15th. So we mm-hmm. have, and then we'll just see and reassess after that point. So, and that's kind of, that's churches, um, uh, church gatherings as well as businesses and everything. Yep, exactly. Right. The only businesses that are open are essential businesses, which are like your grocery stores and places like uh, local convenience stores where you need to get medicines and things like that. So, mm. yeah, it's been it's been different. It's been interesting. A lot of people wearing masks. A lot of people wearing gloves you know, Mm. keeping social distance, you can tell Mm. some people are afraid, you know, they don't want, don't come near me type thing, you know, but yeah, it's just, everyone's adjusting in their own way. Yeah, it has been crazy. I I was standing at a garden center, just um, because, you know, I love gardening, and um, Mm -hmm. I was picking out some plants. So, but there was a pathway on my side, and somebody from behind said, excuse me, and I turned around, and she said, you're not six feet away from me. <laughs> Man, some people. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. 
I'll be honest with you, I first start laughing. I just thought it was so much <laughs> hilarious because they just, it, the fear has got to people and it's yeah. quite palatable at the moment that you can see that fear. But yeah. Erin, um, I, I wanted to talk to you today and it is um, about how we're going to be coping with COVID-19, the church. Mm. And as a millennial, I know you're 30 now, aren't you? Yes, I am. Um, and how we're coping. And I know that, uh, for example, this is quite a tricky time for you because you started a business back in January, didn't you? <laughs> Tell me a bit yes. about that. Yeah, so um, me and my really good friend, Alicia, started a small business, a tax preparation business. And so uh, this is our first year in tax season, which has been interesting because in the States, tax season has been extended. It usually ends April 15th. It's been extended to July 15th. So that's good for us because that means there's more time to help more people file their taxes. Absolutely. Um, but this mm -hmm. business, the reason why I got into it is because um, I have always had this entrepreneurial side of me that just yeah. wanted an opportunity to make money that's not tied to someone else deciding when they're going to write me checks. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, this is proof of why I wanted to have my own business too, because in times where businesses, you know, jobs are, you know, not necessarily secure. Um, I wanted something, a need-based business that wasn't going anywhere. People are always going to have to file their taxes, whether there's a pandemic going on or not. Mm. And I wanted to do something that I could help people um, and service them no matter what's mm. happening in the world. So it's been a blessing. It's been hard because I am still working full-time. I am doing the small business. Are you? You're still working for the Smithy Group. I am. I am. Wow. And so um, that's wow. been a blessing too, because it's a marketing agency. So I'm mm -hmm. able to put in practice the things that we encourage other small businesses with and different things that we're testing in the market. Um, I'm able to apply those to the small business that I'm running too. So I almost, I almost feel like it's my little science project because you know, <laughs> these little methods I've been hearing mm -hmm. about, will mm -hmm. it work for this tax business or how can I apply that here? Or how does this mm -hmm. work here? You know? Mm -hmm. um, so it's been a lot. I honestly, couldn't tell you how I've been doing it all because I am still running Millennials and Ministry podcast, you know. Yes, and the podcast is how we we virtually met. Yeah. Um, so so I I've noticed uh, more interviews coming out since you've been back, and uh, mm -hmm. a whole range. Um, I think it was Pastor Chris Townley last yes. week. Um, yeah. And the table that was an interesting concept. Yeah. Um, and it's something that every church could do, really, if, if they put their mind to it. It's interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, how are you balancing your time? Because, mm -hmm. as you said, you're working full time. I know you work remotely for Smithy, but mm -hmm. you do travel for them. Yeah. Um, you're balancing your time between that mm -hmm. and new business. Mm -hmm. being locked up at home at the moment <laughs> as we as we stand today so how's that all working um I honestly feel like it's by God's grace truthfully because I don't know how I'm doing it all either <laughs> you know I think in the beginning stages of starting this small business there's a lot of legwork that was happening before it was public you know there's like building the website figuring out how we we're going to market doing some mm -hmm influencer partnerships like trying to put into practice things I learned on the job but it was more so behind the scenes and setting these things up and I was meeting weekly with my business partner and with our team mm. and hiring you know other tax preparers because mm. 
uh, I think that's probably how I'm able to do all of it is that it's not just me and my best friend. It's uh, we have a team of people that are able mm. to help prepare taxes. So mm. we're running it from a higher level. So my focus from day to day with the tax businesses, doing um, onboarding calls with clients, following up with clients when it comes to payment, making sure that mm. the starting and ending point with the client and that relationship mm. is cohesive, um, mm. but also divvying out tasks and um, files to our other team members. So mm. that's been a lot to manage and because mm. it's not just me but also my best friend managing it and running it mm. it's been a lot of, the lift has been lighter it's still mm. hard for sure but it's it's definitely doable and I definitely could not do this working full-time if I didn't have a team so th that this is quite pertinent because um mostly church leaders will be looking at this whether they run a local church Mm -hmm. or they're a leader within an assembly mm -hmm. and um this divvying out of tasks and things has mm -hmm. been um as you know i work with churches particularly focused on retention problems in the church yeah. and i can tell you that has been a key issue mm. about delegation so how how are you able to delegate yeah um, so the way the tax business runs is that we do, we file taxes for people who have um, personal income taxes and then business taxes, right? Mm. So we divvy out depending to our team members, depending on their personal workload, because a lot of our team members, I would say more than half of them are still working full time themselves. So they have a certain amount of time. So we kind of have gotten from them their time schedule and based upon their av availability and the client that we've received okay, based upon this client's need, they need a certain expertise. So based upon mm. the availability of the team members that we have, mm. who could do this in a timely manner and who mm. could do this lift? Like this one is a bit more complicated. I'm probably going to call on Kristen who has, a, you know, a lot more years of experience mm. versus someone who's newer, who just went through tax preparation school. You know what I mean? So it's paying attention to the need and mm. then paying attention to the experience of the team member. And mm. does, are they able to, um, uh, pull this lift is this a lift that they can carry right now based upon their workload so it's really knowing your team and knowing the client and matching it up accordingly yeah i mean that's that's a, a lesson for well almost every industry and i have to say particularly the church where you've mm -hmm. had somebody who's established a local church and mm -hmm. has been used to doing juggling all the balls in the air um but as you get bigger those balls will drop um, yeah. and that's where the problem comes in so thanks thanks for that that's that's really really useful and i'm sure useful to leaders so we wanted to talk about how millennials and i have to say increasingly gen zedders mm -hmm. and i think we should explain to people what a millennial is so i'll let you explain that and i'll explain the gen zedders yeah um so millennials are between the ages of mid-20s to almost late 30s right now and um, it really just depends on where you were born you know there's mm. all different types of millennials because mm. their perspectives are dependent upon the homes that they were raised in mm. and the experience in the world um community and 
experiences that they grew up. You know, I was eight or nine years old when 9-11 happened. So I was in grade school. Oh, wow. So that affected me differently than mm. a Gen Zer who was mm. maybe wasn't even born yet. Mm. And this, this COVID-19 is their first worldwide pandemic. Absolutely. But Gen Zers were raised by parents who went through 9-11. So you see mm. how all of that affects oh, each yeah. other. You know? yeah. So millennials, you know, Gosh, there's so many things you could talk about as far as their perspective on, especially in this time when it comes to church um, mm -hmm. and how that works. And I know we'll get into that a little bit more. Absolutely. Ages of mid-20s to late-30s are the millennial age category. So taking your mid-20s, um, depending on the model you use, because there are different models as well. Um, some models say from 23 downwards is a called Generation Z. Yeah. And these are the people, I think it's almost the first generation where they don't have to consult anybody because they've got artificial intelligence that can tell mm -hmm. them. We've got something called, um, well, we call her Google. That's her name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, Google, play me, a, play me my playlist or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and so the Gen Zs have grown up with that technology. Um, if they want to know anything or check what you're saying, the first place they'll look is Google. 100%. They will Google it. Um, so this is the first generation that's grown up 100%, 100% on tech and technology, mm -hmm. um, which has also caused problems, which we're going to come into later on to do with mental health and things like mm -hmm. that. So that's where Generation Z is at the moment. I have to say I am slightly worried about that generation, but we'll talk mm -hmm. more about that in a minute. So the Gen Zers could be the children of millennials, mm -hmm. really. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, um, we, we had some communication before um, this recording and uh, there was some stuff that you brought up that I really want to um, try and, and, and pinpoint. And one of the, the things that you said was, um, what is church and, and, and is it necessary? So that's quite a loaded, what did you really mean by that? Yeah, I really think during this time, um, millennials obviously aren't able to meet in large groups anymore, right? We can't gather as a church. So in a lot of conversations I'm having with peers and other millennials and just even interviews and different things I'm watching and listening to, I'm really starting to see a pattern of people asking themselves, why do I go to church personally, right? They're asking themselves, what is the purpose of gathering together and what is my role in that and is it necessary to come together with all of these people to learn about god so for example some people are go to church um to to feel better as, as a person you know it's, it's something i can check off you know it's my due diligence as a christian i can check it off some people go to church because that's where my community of friends are right um but as in this COVID-19, they're realizing I can still keep relationships with my friends outside of church. So why am I going to church if it's not for that, you know? Um, am I really going, you're asking yourself, am I really going to grow and to learn about God? Is that why I'm going? Um, because, you know, truthfully, I think some millennials, church is a crutch for them when it comes to their relationship with God, meaning that they're constantly dependent upon hearing a word from someone else 
and that being what they feed themselves off of instead of being able to teach themselves how to grow with God on their own. So when they can't go to church or maybe they're not in a place where they can watch online, can they still grow with God on their own? And that is something that I don't think a lot of millennials have the ability to do because they're constantly leaning on someone else. Almost like I talked with Chris Townley actually about Mm. this in our podcast, because it's almost like when Moses went up to the mountain and the Israelites were waiting on Moses to come back down to hear what God said. But what Jesus did is that he eliminated someone else having to go to God for, for them. He, you know, he ripped the curtain in half so that there was easy communication between me and God. But if people, and this is something that I, I really hope the church, you know, capital C continues to help people in the congregational church understand is how do I grow with God on my own at home? How do I bring the presence of God into my day-to-day life? Because if I'm only getting it in a building, when I can't meet in the building, what do I do? And that's the dilemma that millennials are having. You know what I mean? And that's why I think millennials are really asking, like, why am I going to church? Like, what is this thing? Because then there's other millennials and they have this perspective. And I apologize for going on this little rant, but I have so much I'm saying want to get out here is there are other millennials that based upon their experience especially in western church um church is seen as a concert in the beginning and a motivational ted talk in the middle and and, you know like if that is what church is i feel like it should be deeper than that right and they're asking themselves what what am i doing here and what is this and I also think, you know, some millennials who ask that question aren't welcomed in churches. And that's a problem because there's a quote from a book that I'm reading called Faith in the Shadows. And it says millennials don't abandon faith because they have doubts, but millennials abandon faith because they think they're not allowed to have doubts. You've said a lot there. Yeah. (laughs) There are some Western church environments that don't allow millennials to ask questions Mm. that don't allow millennials to wonder or to have skeptical questions there's nothing wrong with that but i think when you allow people to have doubt and have faith at the same time and seek the lord the mystery of who the lord is the mystery of what christianity really is that's where they can grow and and there's not every millennial is like that but there's there's a large group of them like that that haven't been addressed and also feel like there isn't room for them in churches, especially in the Western world. But Mm. then there are other groups of millennials too that are like, man, I really need to know who God is for myself because I'm not getting what I used to get because I can't meet. And and even when COVID-19 is over, it's Mm. not like church is going to be the same. It's not like everyone's going to be you know, feel that it's safe to just go back mm. to church. So mm. how are you growing in your walk with the Lord? How are you discipling people outside of uh, that? What does that really mean? Ah, uh, you, I, 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 I was going to come up with the word, but you've just done that. Disciple, discipleship. Mm. And everything that you seem to have said points towards the fact that assemblies and you know i prefer to call them assemblies rather than church because i like that i think people confuse going to church with being the church which is a disciple mentality Mm -hmm. so 
Um, but here's the thing, you know, if church, church is necessary because like you discovered with Chris Townley, it's <laughs> relational. And what you had said to me before we, this um, broadcast came up was that you feel that sometimes the millennials feel like they're alone and isolated. Yeah. And um, I can't see the difference between post, uh, pre-COVID and now. And the reason I say that is because that has been coming up in so many reports, research. Barna have done research. Um, I think Pew, the research, P-E-W, yeah. they've done research as well um, to talk about isolation. We've got other bodies um, who have all said that there's a sense of isolation and that comes with uh, the rise of social media and this false sense of who you think you are um, mm -hmm. rather than what the real reality is so you know you yeah. put out a picture there and you, you're all smiley you're all doing your your selfie but at the end of the day you're not really showing you're just showing a snapshot of yourself what what do you say to that I think man it, culture is so interesting to me Mm. Um, because that is a move of culture. Mm. This move of social media is something that has been injected into culture, which is very normal. Mm. And this is something I think about too. If Jesus was alive today, how would he operate in this culture? Mm. The stories we read about in the Bible were cultural, re culturally related, and we forget that sometimes. But mm. Jesus is still very much so alive and, and moving mm -hmm. in culture, right? So when it comes to this culture of putting out this persona of an image that you want other people to perceive you as, mm. that's something you personally have to deal with. And I think because it's in culture to project perception, you have to understand who am I really in light of perception? And mm. that takes a lot of internal work. Because of where culture is, it's requiring us to do deeper work as human beings in our psyche and in our spiritual well-being. But not a lot of people are willing to do that tough work in order to grow in that area. But you're saying they have to do internal work and they've got to look inside themselves. But mm -hmm. do you not think that discipleship actually equips people if you look at there are a couple of verses i keep quoting and forgive me for anybody listening but it is actually very very pertinent mm -hmm. luke 9 and matthew 10 and they both start off with mirror verses now mm -hmm. i've given you the power and the authority i'm just paraphrasing yeah. go out and do what i did because Jesus had already taught his disciples. And if you look at those verses, he says to them, you know, you're going to have to shake the dust off your feet. You're yeah. going to run into problems, difficulties, yeah. challenges. Mm -hmm. But the church, and I say the global church, the big C, mm -hmm. I, I feel like we have, we have a responsibility. And the local church is represented by all these small assemblies which people talk about going to church. I have a real mm -hmm. problem with that, by the way, because yeah. like, who are you if you're going, if you're not, are you not the church yourself? 
Um, so it's, it's maybe getting people really understanding who they are in Christ. Mm -hmm. And that would be their, for me, their internal work as well that you were yeah. talking about. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think I agree with you. I think that discipleship happens in conversation and deep work yeah, happens definitely. in conversation. And that could be a conversation with yourself. That could be a conversation with you and the Lord. That could yeah. be a conversation with you and whoever's in your community that you're yeah. being discipled by or discipled with. Like it's, it really comes down to your willingness to do the work, but how your method of doing the work is really up to you as a person, you know, granted like life is done, is done better together obviously you know and you really can't grow if you don't have people in your life because mm. it's people that it creates friction it's like sandpaper you know if you're just by yourself in your own world there's mm. nothing wrong with you there's no mm. work you have to do but it's mm. when you introduce the people mm. is when you realize okay like psychologically i really need to do some growth here mm. but also in my um in my relationship with God, I need to do some growth here. But a lot of times mm. those little points are pinpointed or, you know, you feel the, the nudging of the Holy Spirit of areas you need to work on because of people that are in your life that mm. cause you to realize who you are and where you need Absolutely. to grow. Absolutely. So, um, you know, uh, to, to kind of um, bolt that onto the idea of isolation, and we've been hearing about mental health problems in this in the uk there was a campaign um some months ago now quite a few months ago now and um basically every television show was stopped in the middle because they wanted to talk about talking to each other there was a very high profile star over here that took her own mm -hmm. life really yeah. sad beautiful girl beautiful mm -hmm. And she just took her life and um and i think that raised um the whole mental health problem to another level mm. and um but, you know some of the the commentators are talking about isolation um and the fact that people are not relating as they used to and as i said the social media the me 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 yeah. um culture the selfie you know all that yeah. reality tv all that stuff so how do you feel the church can practically help in those areas? I really think that for me personally too, I'm realizing, I'm asking myself, how can I better get away from the fluff of Christianity and really help people individually? I think sometimes it's hard when you're preaching a message from a platform, it's very generalized, right? It's very, and, and depending on who the pastor is, it can be very motivational and very, everything's good, hope, hoorah, you know, positivity, positivity, which is good, but there must be a balance of dealing with the actual nitty gritty, messy issues of insecurity, of where you find your worth and value from, because this culture, like we were talking about, it provides um, a space for people to find worth and value in what other people think of them. And mm. when you're a believer, your worth and value should stem from your identity mm. with Christ, right? Mm. But when you're in a culture that is constantly, how do you live in a culture that promotes your, you know, you push and promote your own perception and how people think of you is important and how many followers you have and, you know, your little following, that's important, but also, you know, Christ 
is who you get your love and worth and value from. How do you coexist in a culture and impact people? You know what I'm saying? So I think we need to almost preach, but not even preach because everyone's a preacher in your own community. <laughs> what types of conversations are you having with the mm. people that you're connecting with and discipling? And are you getting, are you able to connect with them in a way where you get past the fluff and the hopeful, hope-filled conversations all the time and like asking, how are you really? But that mm. requires trust from people. Mm. Mm. And if they don't trust you, they're not going to want to have those conversations with you. So mm. have you related to them in a way where they can actually trust you? Have they seen mm. your life and the reality of it, that you're not perfect, that you're a human being wanting to grow with the Lord in your day-to-day -day life? And if they mm. can, can connect there, then we can start to have these real conversations about mm. how is your brain? What are you yeah. thinking about when you go to sleep? You know, how are you dealing with suicidal thoughts? Like that realness can only happen when there's trust and open conversation can then take place. So if, uh, who would that trust come from then? I mean, you're saying um, you, they, who are mm. they? Who mm. is responsible for this ultimately? Is it one person? Is it many people? Let's talk about the church structure and how it yeah. is. You've usually got a senior leader, and yeah. if they're very organized, they will have a team of people. So who is it that people need to be talking to, do you think? Man, I think it's almost like when you want to change the world, you have to start with yourself. I almost hate giving that answer, but that's really how it's done, you know? Because whoever's listening to this, it might be senior leaders in a church. It really does start with you. It starts with you being honest with yourself about where you're at and stop trying to project this image of perfection and that you've got it all together because you don't, you know, mm -hmm. and that you, 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 like there's times when you cry, there's times when you don't trust God and there's time, you know what I mean? Like having that realness with yourself and then being willing to reach out to people, um, whether that's in your congregation or maybe you're in a small group and just being real about life, you know, mm -hmm. and I think it, it really starts with us. It really starts with, Lord, like, I got to get better. I got to get healthier for myself up here. I've got to stop being worried about what other people think about me, even though I live in a culture where that is prominent, you know, but I need to really hone in on my relationship with God and where I get my worth and value from. And I need to grow in that journey, but also invite the people I'm discipling. I think discipling is um, a churchy word. It is a biblical word, but like culturally, it's hard to connect with people that aren't churched with that word, right? So it's almost so like- So what word would you use? I would use community and people you do life with in conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Because like Jesus discipled people by bringing people into his home and having dinner and having conversation and doing life, right? So mm -hmm. that's more of what I feel like millennials resonate with that language. So that's probably why I'm leaning towards that mm -hmm. um, more than the traditional language of discipleship and making disciples. Because when I think of that, because of my experience in church and working in churches, I think of structured systems and processes of how we make people better Christians. You know what I mean? So we have to filter them into this and then bring them here. You know what I mean? So um, I know that was So you're lot. talking about, sorry, sorry, can I break that down? So you're Please. talking about um, uh, what we would call, and I, I, ha I have a problem with this 
discipleship programs because um, I was speaking to um, some leaders I work with or have worked with or um, at least they said they wanted to work with me until they realized that there are actually things they had to really do I wasn't mm. going to do it all but um, <laughs> yeah. they were talking about disciple um, um, can you help us to launch a discipleship program Mm. so I said what does that actually mean Be right. I, oh well we could do a course well yes a course is valid yeah but it's not the end of it if Jesus in his three years of ministry mm. could disciple and I am I'm not going to apologize I use that word because that's yeah. the word um yeah. but if Jesus was doing that over his his very short ministry then who are we to say that it ends with a four-week course or a six-week course that's a good start yeah but we've also got things like um depending on where you are and what tradition you've got small groups um mm -hmm. because that actually builds relationship i love what um pastor chris townley is doing um in in the church what what was it what's the name of the church again kaleo church kaleo yes in phoenix arizona and um you know that is part and they sit around the table and have a meal as part of the service yeah. it's not it might be in a different part it might not be in the auditorium but it is actually um part of the service because mm. that's where you build relationships so right. i think we're on the same page there we might be um we Using might be saying language. it slightly differently <laughs> yeah. but um i i totally agree and I, I did some research um you know i i uh went back to university i say went back I was 57 when I went back to university. Good for you. That's incredible. And, um, I, I graduated last year and I did a dissertation. And my dissertation was all about retention. And one mm. of the big things that came up was discipleship. Mm. Um, the lack of relationship building. All yeah. the things we're talking about, to yeah. be honest with you. Yeah. Um, so I, I totally get it. I want to ask you about this um being judgmental and this comparison because um it's something i hear a lot but i'm not always relating to it because it depends on where they are so you yeah. tell me from your own experience what you mean by that yeah um i think this is very contextual when it comes to judgment and comparison of our ind individual faith journeys yeah. and when i say that millennials you know, this is affecting them in light of COVID-19. What it does is it may, because you can't go to church because you don't, you can't meet in your small group for church. You're required to sit back and you're just by yourself. And you're constantly, um, there's an invitation to constantly compare, am I growing spiritually? How do you answer that question? The way you answer it is, you compare your faith journey to someone else's instead of being focused on Jesus and becoming more like him. It mm. is natural. And again, I think this is cultural because that's how our culture works is we're constantly comparing ourselves to one another. But even in our faith journey, there becomes a lot of judgment. So when, it, when, you, when you ask questions like, is al drinking alcohol a sin or not? Is smoking a sin or not? Is sleeping around a sin or not? 
yes, there's and there's black and white answers to that, but also sometimes people are asking the question because they're thinking of someone else that they're judging in their head. They're not really asking for themselves personally. They're right. asking to validate, can I judge this person or not? Am I mm -hmm. right in how I'm perceiving this person or not? But what I'm realizing, what I feel like the Holy Spirit is helping me understand is that we have to give mercy and grace and space for other people to walk their own journey when it comes to becoming more like Christ. Yeah. So drinking alcohol might be um, sin for me because I'm not there, but for someone else that might be progress because last year they were doing drugs and drinking alcohol every day, but now they're only down to one bottle a day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Be yeah. Like you can't tell that person it's a sin because mm -hmm. that's progress and they're making, becoming more like Christ. But when you tell him contextually in his situation that that's a sin, now that's judgment. And now I feel like I can't fit into your church. You know what I'm saying? But that's mm -hmm. where the relationship and the discipleship aspect mm -hmm. is so necessary it's because necessary. that's when you get into mm -hmm. where are you as a person and how can I help you grow in your personal relationship with God? Mm -hmm. But there's so much judgment and there's so much comparison in the church amongst millennials. This is something that was eye-opening as well. The way that we're quarantining, I think, is a reflection of sin and the law, right? So sin, uh, let me break it down like this. So I, I have many conversations with my millennial friends, and we are supposed to be in isolation and quarantining. Some people are not doing that. <laughs> Some people really? are just kind of doing their own thing where they feel like, yeah, I'm not, I'm in my house, but I'm kind of like still hanging out with family and friends and still kind of going out and doing my own thing that's right so what okay. happens you get other people that are like you shouldn't be doing that and i'm completely being completely judgmental of how you how you are deciding to quarantine yourself but then you have them on that side being like why are you in your house all the time you should come and visit me why what happened to our friendship and our relationship okay. Okay. we're constantly judging mm -hmm. right we're mm -hmm. constantly judging the way we quarantine mm -hmm. the way we sin way uh, can we i be be clear on this so that when people are listening they don't say it's wrong to do that and what we've been asked to self-isolate so yeah. that's there's nothing wrong with that but i think you're yeah. using it as an example of where people are judging one to the other correct so just an example yeah it's just an example <clears throat> but it to me was a reflection of how we treat each other spiritually as well mm. we're constantly judging you based mm. upon how i'm doing mm. the law right mm. or how i'm abiding by what the bible says yeah instead of comparing or like walking it out so based upon what i know is the right thing to do yeah. you know i'm going to do this because i believe it to be the right thing for me to do mm. to stay safe and stay healthy you know what i'm saying mm. yeah and i do you, hey you gotta you're you're gonna bear the consequences of your own decisions mm. and if you'd like to you know it's just I guess, I guess what I'm realizing, and forgive me for just kind of ranting, but there's so many thoughts I've been thinking in isolation, so I've got a lot of them out somehow. But in all of this, I'm realizing we must do a better job of respecting where people are at, you know, because maybe some of these friends of mine, they're going to go crazy. And, may, you know, I don't want to say that these are my friends, but there may be some people out there where if I don't see somebody, I'm not going to last. And that's an, a serious issue. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's just like I'm, I'm having to practice 
don't judge people based upon the choices that they're making. Let them walk out their life. And that's between them and God. But if they're asking, that's a conversation we can have. You know what I mean? Mm. And we can hold people's hands on the way so they don't slip. Um, yes. And show the love of Christ. And yes. that's the thing. I mean, you, you, you said it all, really. You've, you've been really eloquent. in, and, and I think it's a really important message to get across. Yes, you're focusing on the millennial generation because you're a millennial, so you're yeah. living that. Yeah. Um, I happen to be of a different generation, but I can appreciate what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and I think we really do need to get back to basics. Now, tell me all about um, your business again um so that we we're going to uh mention that in the show notes and also um your podcast as well absolutely so i'll start off with millennials and ministry because that's where all of this started from millennials and ministry is a podcast for millennials um to help them those who are seeking to make an impact in their local communities so i do a series of talks and interviews with different millennials sometimes they're not millennials they may be a little bit older a little bit younger but people that are making an impact and conversations that will encourage millennials to mm -hmm. continue to make an impact in their local community um, you can go to millennialsandministry.com or AaronVLashley.com, and you can find out those episodes and links for that there. Um, and then when it comes to pay it forward taxes, you can go to payitforwardtaxes.com to check out what I'm doing there with my friends and with my team. We prepare personal and income taxes as well as business taxes for people in the States. Um, and so right now we're, you know, in tax season right now. So um, things are busy, things are good, but I'm growing and I feel like you know what's interesting? I never told you this, but there was an interview that I wanted to do that led me to find someone that then led me to desire to start a tax business all wow. because of millennials and ministry. So wow. this podcast that I've been doing, and it's been off and on, you know, because different seasons of running a small business, I can't do it every week like I want to. Um, but it's led me to where I'm at right now. And I really feel like I'm exactly where God wants me to be. Yeah, and that's it. You're being led by the Holy Spirit, and mm -hmm. um, you know, I've I've been watching you. We connected, as I said, over a year ago. So you know, yeah. I've been following your progress, and it's it's so inspiring. It really is. Um, Thank you so to much. me, um, because I learn every day. I'm. I people know me as. I'm always learning something. I do a lot yeah. of my own technology and everything. And somebody said to me the other day, I have to make you laugh. Somebody said to me the other day how do you know all that <laughs> and i said why are you asking like that she said well you know you're of a certain age i i could not believe it because you know if we stop learning we mm. stop growing and that's yeah. and that's the fact so that will be in the show note but i want you to end with one um message for church leaders around um dealing with Millenn the millennial generation in this particular season, what mm. would you say? I would say, allow the Holy Spirit to allow you to be discerning um, and listen to where the needs are um, and allow millennials to ask questions and be honest when you don't have the answers because that creates trust and conversation and deeper discipleship. I think when you're honest, um, you'll actually 
run into exactly what you're looking to do and the impact you're actually trying to make for the millennial generation. They're looking for honesty, authenticity, genuineness, uh, realness, and not the fake stuff, you know? So the more that you can do that, just let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you in all of that, man, they'll thank you for that. Amen to that. It's been delightful as ever to speak to you and I'm so excited to hear um, about the business and, and um, I really want to know more about how that's going. Erin Lashley, it's been just wonderful to speak to you. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you gained some insights. If you did, please share the show link with other leaders and don't forget every Monday we'll release another episode of the Healthy Church Growth Show.